0: Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. As Bob mentioned, my name is Andrew Brown, and I am the uh, Director of Youth Ministry here at New Life Presbyterian, and uh, I have the privilege of being able to preach the Word to you this morning. Bob asked me about this a few weeks ago, but I wanted to start this morning uh, by telling you a story about a Persian king named Shah Abbas the Great. If you've never heard of him, I had never heard of him either. Shah Abbas the Great, he was the fifth Shah, or king, of Iran, and he reigned in the early 17th century. And although Shah Abbas could be a ruthless leader, he had major support from the common People, and that was partly because he spent so much time with them. Apparently, Abbas, he would, he would dress up and go and talk with commoners out where they live. And he would dress up and do that undetected. And on one of these occasions, as the story goes, the, the king followed a, a long path of stairs down into the dark. And at the bottom of the stairs, the king found this, this single man, solitary man, sitting upon some ashes, tending a furnace. Feeling sorry for the man, the king sat down beside him and struck up a conversation with him. The two then sat there talking together for a a great deal. They even shared a meal together. But eventually, the king had to leave. But Abbas, he would return to that man over and over and over again, and they became very close friends. Then one day the king decided, well, today's the day I'm going to reveal my true identity to this new friend of mine. He expected the poor man to ask for some some gift, but when his secret was revealed, the poor man only sat there silently, staring off into the distance. The king said then, do you not understand? I can make you rich, I can give you a city, I can make you a ruler. Do you not have anything to ask? of me? The poor man then replied, yes, my Lord, I understood, but what is this you have done, leaving your palace to come sit with me, to share conversation and counsel, to care about the state of my soul? Even you, with all of your power, could give me nothing more precious. For to others you may give riches, but to me you have given yourself." The only thing I ask now is that you would never take away this gift of your friendship. Now, that's all I know of the story. I don't know what happens after that, but I I love this story. I really appreciate this story. And I think you might as well, because I think it tells us something that we can all relate to. We all know almost instinctively the great value of friendship. In one sense, true, deep, and lasting friendships like the poor man thought that he had with the king, they're of greater value than all the treasures in the world. But friendships, while they are a a treasure, we usually don't just stumble upon them like the king did. A, A true friendship takes a lot of hard work. And it's going to look much more like slowly saving up for retirement than winning the lottery. It won't be easy, and it doesn't happen overnight. But thankfully, God has given us uh, something of a map for our friendships in the book of Proverbs. If you're just joining us today, we have been going through a series on the book of Proverbs. And we've been looking at God's wisdom to us uh, through a host of various different topics and Bob has preached all of those so far. But today we're concluding that series. We're going to finish the series on the Proverbs and we're looking at the topic of friendship as you can imagine. I've titled today's sermon Closer Than a Brother. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Proverbs 18. And if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the chair in front of you and it's on page 311 if you're looking for where it's at page 311. This is Proverbs 18. Please stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to read Proverbs 18:1 and 24. Verse 1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And then verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Heavenly Father, please give us wisdom from your word today. We pray that you would send your spirit to do things that only you can do for your glory. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm guessing that when you were a child, friendship came easy for you. You you didn't have to to work at it. You never worried about it. No one needed to teach you how to be a friend. You just did it. You played with the other children in in your neighborhood or at your church or at your school and you just became friends. You enjoyed being with them and they enjoyed being with you and that's what made you friends. There was no other questions to be asked. No other concerns were to be had. Friendship was effortless. But then something happened. Somewhere along the lines, we got older, we grew up, and things seemed to get much more difficult for us. Friendship no longer came so naturally. In fact, our friendship, our pursuit of friendships now that we're older can be filled with disappointment, it can be filled with anxiety, it can be filled with uncertainty. So this morning as we begin our study of friendship from the book of Proverbs, we're going to be looking at the challenges of friendship. And and the first challenge we're going to look at is maybe perhaps the the greatest challenge to friendship. And that's selfish isolation. Selfish isolation. We we looked at that in that proverb from 18.1. I'll put it back up there. We'll read it again here. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out... Against all sound judgment. So here we have a man that Solomon's describing. This man is willfully choosing to separate himself from his community, from his friends. He's decided to abandon the pursuit of others to pursue his own ends, his own pleasure. What, What these people outside of him need, what they want... In his mind, they're not as important as what he needs and what he wants. He's seeking his own desires. This is a selfish isolation. And I think it goes against all sound judgment. And that word judgment there can sometimes mean common sense. So this would mean that this man who isolates himself, he is unwise. He's not very smart in doing that. But, but the word can also refer to the counsel of others, And so in some ways, this man is isolating himself even when everyone around him is urging him not to. They're they're pleading with him, hey, think of somebody other than just yourself. Don't just separate yourself and do what you want to do. Think about the other people around you. But this man takes no heed to their advice. And obviously, this type of selfish isolation is going to be a great hindrance to pursuing friendships as God intended. Now, I just need to be clear here for a minute. I don't think Solomon is referring to introverts here. So if you're an introvert and you got a little concerned about that, I I don't believe that's what Solomon is thinking about here. I I don't think he's saying that those who enjoy spending time alone are somehow in sin. It's not wrong to uh, get a book and, and curl up on the couch and spend some time by yourself. It's not wrong to want some time away from your kids or your parents, or even your friends. I think a certain type of isolation is even necessary for a healthy life. Jesus himself isolated from other people. Look at what it says in Mark 1:35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. He went out to a desolate place by himself. He he sought isolation from other people. So not all alone time is wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But there is a way. There is a way to pursue selfishly alone time. There's a way to do that, I think, that misunderstands and does damage to God's design for friendships. You see, friendships... They did not begin here on earth. In fact, you might say that friendship has no beginning. It has always existed in the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Friendship is woven into the very nature of our God. But friendship is also woven into our very natures because we were made in the image of that god and our friendships here on earth they were meant to be something of a reflection of the divine friendship in heaven and so when we selfishly pursue our own desires in isolation instead of pursuing the good of others in friendships we're really betraying who god created us to be we're betraying our own natures you see friendship is not just about you God gives us friendships for our joy, yes, but he also gives us friendships to pull us out of ourselves, to pull us away from our own isolation. So God wants us to say not just I should get friends and I need friends and I want friends, but also I want that person to have a friend. Not just me have a friend, I want him or her to have a friend and I could be that friend for this person. And you know what, this is true even for those who feel their their friendship cup is overflowing. Even if you think, I don't need any more friends. I have more than enough friends. I have very close friends. But that doesn't mean that other people don't need you to be their friend. And Just consider the example of Jesus himself. If anyone did not need friends, if anyone was perfectly content in the friendships he already had... It was Jesus, and yet he still pursued us. A a pastor named Aaron Menkoff, he says this, Though Jesus enjoyed perfect friendship and community in the threeness of the Godhead, the incarnation showed us his desire for others to become his friends. Through his work on the cross, Christ allowed us to become his friend. This is a wonderful motivation for evangelism, yes, but it is also a motivation for seeking out friends to love sacrificially. So are you moving towards friendship as Christ did for you, or are you moving away from friendship seeking isolation? And just to think about this for a moment, just to try and apply this into your life, think about a few areas that might potentially be preventing you from moving towards other people. The first one just to think about is is technology. Are you using technology to build friends or to retreat from them? Are you always on your phone in the presence of your friends or or maybe potential friends that could one day become your friends? Are, Are you more interested in watching a screen than talking to a person? So think about technology. How might it be impacting your friendships? Also think about mobility. Are you committed to being somewhere long enough to make real friends? Are you always moving on to the next thing and to the next place that you never have time, you never have the opportunity to really sink your roots in somewhere? And then finally, consider busyness. Are you so busy That you don't have the time it requires to build friendships. Do You plan time in your schedule for old friends, but also for the pursuit of new friends. And so maybe a way to evaluate those questions as you're thinking about them, maybe another way to evaluate those for your own life is to seek out the counsel of someone who knows you. Ask someone who knows you how, how they think you handle these particular areas. Ask them for advice. What needs to change in my life? Do I need to put down my phone? Do I need to, uh, do I need to buy a house maybe? Do I need to, to free some more time in my schedule? Just ask them and then follow their advice. Listen to them and do what they say. Listen and respond to sound judgment. So if we are going to overcome these challenges, then we need to pursue friendship sacrificially as Jesus has done for us. But we also need to realize what a true friend looks like and how to be a true friend. So we also need to know the characteristics of friendship. What does a true friend actually look like? First thing we're going to be looking at, one of the first characteristics of friendship is commitment commitment. Look at Proverbs eighteen twenty four. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Here we see two kinds of friends. The, the first friend is a companion, someone that you enjoy spending time with and probably somebody that you have similar interests as you. So this could be the person that you play golf with or the person that you uh, you know, have similarities in the types of music you listen to, whoever that may be. You get along well with this person and you would probably even call them a friend. But here, these friends, things never go that deep. Uh, the conversation always kind of hovers around the surface, and it usually focuses on those similar interests that you have. You might think of these people, a way to kind of think about them, they might be consider them Facebook friends. These are Facebook friends, or maybe just a step above that. But Facebook friends are these types of people that Solomon is describing. Now, when I was growing up, I had uh, several friends like this. In fact, when I was in elementary school, I led a gang. It wasn't really a gang, but it was like 10 friends that I had. And I was the leader of that gang of friends. And one day, um, we always sat at the lunch table, same place. Everybody had like assigned seats. And, And one day, I didn't come to school. I didn't come to school. And the next day, when I came back to school and I went to sit down at my assigned seat, my friends were like, you can't sit there anymore. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what happened, but they said, you're kicked out of the gang. And I was like, how can you kick the leader out of the gang? But they said, you can't sit there anymore. And so I went and sat at another table, and one of those friends out of the ten came and sat with me. So the rest were companions, but this other friend was the true friend. And I think that's the other kind of friend that Solomon is describing in this proverb, the friend that sticks with you. Through thick and thin. This is someone that has grown so close to you that they're practically family. This is a person you've been through the highs with and the lows with. This is the person that you would call at 3 in the morning. If, you, if something went wrong with you, who would you call at 3 in the morning? That they wouldn't be upset or bothered, but or they'd be willing to help you even while they were asleep. This is someone who doesn't just share interests with you, but shares themselves with you they know you the real you not just the one you present to other people but the real you and you know them as well and I think the point Solomon is making about these two kinds of friends is that the Facebook friends they aren't really committed to you and and as soon as you stop being useful to them they'll delete you or ignore you or get rid of you in my case with my friends with the gang So the man who has a thousand Facebook friends, but not a real friend, comes to ruin because no one cares for him. No one actually is entering in his pain and suffering. When calamity strikes, these companions, these Facebook friends, they might leave a comment, but they're not driving across the country to be with you in your pain. And this is the same thing Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 says. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. In Hebrew that all t- at all times it's put at the start of the sentence and that's for emphasis. The true friend loves you no matter what at all times. They rejoice with you when you rejoice. They weep with you when They weep. When you weep, they aren't using you to get to something else. So if we're going to pursue friendships as God intended, then we need to move past the Facebook stage and we need to be committed to building deep bonds of friendship. And that's going to take time. It's going to be slow, as I mentioned earlier. So I want to ask you, do you have committed friends in your life? And and if you're feeling bad, maybe that you think and you go, well, I don't have that type of friends. Well, then I'll ask you, what are you doing to be that type of friends? Are, Are you being a committed friend to those in your life? So the first thing we, the first characteristic is commitment. The second one is counsel. And we see this from Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. One of the things that makes friendship so sweet is the ability to ask your friends for advice. In this life, we're faced with with literally millions of different choices, thousands every single day. And most of these are, are relatively small and unimportant, things like what kind of shampoo you're gonna buy or, or what cereal to eat in the morning, things that don't have a large impact on your life. But they're also important ones, right? Things like whether or not to get married, and to whom, what what city to live in, what major are you going to study in college. And these decisions, they're, they're harder, and they're going to have a much larger impact on the rest of your life. But if you have true friends, if you have a true friend, then it's an incredible blessing and an incredible comfort to be able to go to them and know that you don't have to make this decision alone you can turn to someone who knows you who loves you who's seeking out your good and you could turn to them to get another perspective on issues with a true friend you don't have to worry whether they're just telling you what you think you what they think you want to hear you can trust them and, and Solomon he compares this kind of heartfelt earnest counsel to the sweetness of perfume It's delightful, it raises your spirits, it brings you joy. But also remember that Solomon, for Solomon, perfumes and oils like this, they were expensive, they were a rarity. And so I think the point here is that a friend's earnest counsel is something that we should cherish in life. It's something we should be very, very thankful for when we receive it. So the first characteristic of a friend is commitment, the second is counsel, And the third is correction. Proverbs 27, 5, and 6 says this. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So while counsel is concerned with helping a friend avoid bad decisions, correction is what to do once your friend has already made that bad decision. Now, the truth is, we all make bad decisions from time to time. But a true friend, they're going to actually help you see that. They're going to actually confront you about that. And that's not easy to do, right? Because uh, when we're confronted, when we are openly rebuked, what do do we want to do? We want to defend ourselves. And we end up saying things like, well, what does this friend, what, what right does he have to question me? What kind of friend would do that sort of things? And yet, Solomon... He is showing us here that someone who never questions your decisions, he's not a friend, he's an enemy. Uh, Be very wary of the person who is always praising you, who's always telling you how great you are, who supports every one of your decisions and never questions you. This might make you feel good, but it doesn't actually make you good. A true friend is willing to wound you for your own benefit. Oscar Wilde, he once famously said, a true friend stabs you in the front. A true friend stabs you in the front. The wounds of a real friend, they're faithful. They're an expression of loyalty and love to you. They show us that our friend is genuinely concerned, genuinely concerned with our well-being and they're willing to pay the price to help us follow the Lord. Proverbs 27, 17 says the same thing, I believe. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. When iron is used to sharpen iron, the friction that is made between the two, it creates sparks. And that's the same for friendships. Friendships are going to have conflict. They're going to have sparks from time to time. And if they don't, if your friendships never have these kind of sparks, well, then the swords will be dull when the battle comes. When it's time for battle, the the swords will be dull. Charles Bridges, commenting about this, he says this, What is the friend who will be a real blessing to my soul? Is it one that will humor my fancies and flatter my vanities? Is it enough that he loves my person and would spend his time and energies in my service? This comes far short of my requirement. I am a poor, straying sinner with a wayward will and a blinded heart, going wrong at every step. The friend for my case is one who will watch over me with open rebuke. The genuineness of friendship without this mark is more than doubtful. When rebuke is kindly, considerately, and prayerfully administrated, it cements friendship rather than loosens it so again do you have friends that care enough about you to wound you and then are you willing to be that friend to another person are you willing to step out of your comfort zone risk your friendship in some ways for the sake of the person that you love So, we need to seek friends who embody these three characteristics of friendship. But we should also, as I said, seek to embody them ourselves. And our church, as has already been mentioned, actually provides a great Way to do those two things in life groups. Life groups, as you've heard about this morning, they actually start today. You can sign up for them out there. You've heard about those things. And if you've never been in a life group, I'd, I'd really encourage you to attend one because it's probably one of the best ways that our church provides for you to actually cultivate these kinds of deep friendships that I've been talking about this morning. So we've looked at the challenges of friendship. We looked at the characteristics of friendship. Let's finally look at the incarnation of friendship. Friendship is a gift from God. And it can bring incredible joy. It can bring incredible encouragement and support to our lives. But friendship, it also has a darker side. Friendship can bring bitter disappointment. It can bring pain. It can bring regret into our lives like almost no other relationship can you see friendships on this earth they will always let you down your friends even the very best of your friends will fail you they won't show up when you need them they'll forget to call they won't respond the way that you thought they should they'll talk behind your back they won't invite you to something They'll they'll leave and go spend time with other friends. Your friends will fail you, and you will fail your friends. You will fail your friends as well. And this is why Proverbs 26 says this, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Many people talk about how faithful, how reliable, how good of a friend they are, But a truly faithful friend, the one who never, ever, ever lets you down, the one who's always there for you, that kind of friend, who can find? Well, friends, there is good news this morning. And the good news is that we do not actually have to find that friend because he has come to find us. Jesus Christ, in the incarnation, took on our lowly condition. He didn't just dress up like a poor man, he actually became one. He gave up his throne in heaven, all the riches of being with his father, he gave that up to come to sit with us, to to dine with us, to talk with us, with our race. And Jesus did not offer us riches, he didn't just offer us a city or, or to be a ruler, Jesus offered us himself. Jesus offers us his friendship. And this is what he says in John 15, verses 13 through 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if I do what, do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends For all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. A book that my wife read this year by Christine Hoover was called Messy, Beautiful Friendships. Messy, Beautiful Friendships. She highly recommends it, and I read a little portion of it. And this is what Christine Hoover said about that passage there. She said this, Like ripples extending outward on a pond, God grew his circle of friendship ever wider. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he extended the offer of friendship to all people, offering reconciliation between God and humanity to anyone who would come to him by faith. Jesus Christ is the friend that you have always longed for. He is the friend par excellence. He is not just the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the friend of friends, Jesus is the friend who's totally committed to you. He's the friend who loves at all times. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is the friend who gives you that earnest counsel that you need for your lives through his word. Jesus is the friend who rebukes you in love by his spirit, who calls you back into fellowship with him when you've walked away. Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is the ultimate friend and the one that each and every one of us truly need in our lives today. And you know, something happens when we enter into that friendship with Jesus. It not only transforms our life because you have this friend now that you've always longed for, but it it also transforms the friendships that you have with other believers here on earth. Now that we are in Christ, Our friendships in the church, they no longer just reflect the divine friendship that is in heaven, but they actually are a participation with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, in that friendship with God. This is what John says in 1 John 1:3. that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship, you too may have friendship with us. And indeed, our fellowship, our friendship together believers is also with the Father and with the Son. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the famous German theologian, he said this about this verse, and I'll leave this with you today. He said this, Christian brotherhood or friendship is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in christ in which we may participate let's pray together heavenly father we are so undeserving of your friendship lord each one of us has been the opposite of a friend to you we have rebelled we have rejected your ways and yet You still came for us. You still sought us out and pursued us and you gave your life for us. You were separated from the friendship of your father so that we could be brought into the friendship. Lord, we thank you for that this morning. I pray that you would grow us in our friendships with one another in this church. Grow deep, lasting, strong friendships here that will bring you glory and that will bring joy into our lives. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and we pray all of this in Christ's name.